Good evening. Uh, as Brother Bob and said this morning, him and Brother Jim are uh, at the funeral for Brother Jim's aunt that passed away. So remember them in prayer, the Schoolfield and Rob Nett family. Um, continue praying for Brother Tom's recovery. He's come a long way. And uh, then March 25th, we have a John and Romans outreach. I believe it's March 25th. Uh, can't think of any other announcements. So, can we have some gentlemen to take up an offering? Brother Tim Crop, would you say the prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for offering, Lord God. You did take it. Bless the giver, Lord God, and usually pour in another word on the fight thing. Amen. Tell me. 
1 Samuel. First Samuel chapter 17. Found out I was going to be preaching today, Thursday night. And I'm not going to lie, I started panicking a little bit because I didn't really know what I was going to preach. I started looking through some old sermons I had and I just didn't really feel like the Lord was leading me to preach them. So I just sat down and let the Lord lead. And I had heard Brother Roland Ralph preach this, a message similar to this and I liked it. So I felt like it was what the Lord was leading me to preach. So I hope, hope it's a blessing. But look at 1 Samuel in chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and look at verse 29. And the Bible says, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to ask that you come down and meet with us as we study your word. Lord, show us things and uh, help it uh, to bring honor and glory to you and touch the minds and hearts of your people, Lord, and uh, just have your will and way. And uh, Jesus, amen. Most people don't know that there are actually four verses to the song of the Star Spangled Banner. But at the end of one of the verses, the lyrics are, Then conquer we must, if our cause it is just, and this be our motto, and God is our trust. Whether you study the War of 1812, which is when that song was written, or any other part through history, you will see that what made ordinary people great people was their belief and commitment to a cause. My message today is consumed by a cause. George Washington said to those of his day, we must never lose sight of the goodness of our cause. When Washington was offered the command of the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War, he responded to Congress admitting that his ability and his military experience was lacking. They wanted him to be the commander, and he said he really wasn't up to the task, and he didn't have the experience in the military, and there were other men more qualified. But he went on to say, that as the Congress desires, I will enter upon the momentous duty and exert every power I possess in their service and for the support of this glorious cause. A lot of people would have said that Washington, George Washington was a great man, and that's what made him a good candidate. He would say that he was not a great man, but it was a great cause. And a great cause will make ordinary people great people. One man said that the difference between a good man and a bad man is a choice of the cause. Now the context in 1 Samuel 17, Saul is still the acting king, he still has the position, but yet David has already been anointed by Solomon, sorry not Solomon, Samuel to become king. Israel is at war with the Philistines and Jesse sends David, his youngest son, to the battlefield to take some food and check on his three oldest brothers. And there's a giant down there named Goliath taunting the men of Israel and David gets down there and finds out that all the men of Israel, the Bible says, were sore afraid. They're scared, and that upsets David. And he asks a few questions, and Eliab, the oldest brother, gets on to him. And in verse 28, Eliab says, and the Bible says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And why hast thou and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. 
And David's response is our text in verse 29. I looked up the word cause in Strong's Concordance, and it actually means words or statement. So it would be like stating your cause. What David is saying is, is there not a response? Is there not an answer to this man? Goliath was down there making fun of the Israelites and making fun of the army of the living God. And David is saying, is nobody going to answer him? But as you study the word farther, it becomes, is there not a reason? Is there not a purpose? The dictionary says a reason, a motive, or ground for producing a given effect. Some people call bridges causeways, so I looked up that word in the dictionary, and it means a raised way or road as across wet ground. You know what a cause is? It is something that will rise above. A cause will cause you to rise above things. Now before we look at David's cause, I want to look at the three main characters in this story and talk about their cause. Saul, Samuel, and David. Let's look at Saul real quick in 1 Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel 16, and then look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou, wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. In this verse, Saul, Saul, Samuel is mourning over Saul being rejected, and God has to convince Samuel that Saul is a lost cause. In 1 Samuel 15, in verse 35, 15 to verse 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord repented that he had made Saul king of Israel. Saul had quit, on, quit obeying God. He had turned his back on God. He had quit representing God. He was doing his own thing. Saul started living for himself, and when he had nothing to do with God, God said, I regret that I made him king. What can we learn from this? Over in Galatians, Paul teaches the principle that if, if you think you can work your way to heaven and that you don't need God, and that you are good enough to get into heaven, then Christ died in vain where you're concerned. That if you, that if you think you can work it on your way to heaven as far as you're concerned, According to Paul, that Jesus died in vain, and if that is what you believe, then you are a lost cause. Yes, yeah. If you reject Jesus Christ, you are a lost cause. Yeah. And I'm going to say something that you probably won't like. And Brother Bob was talking about how God loves you more than anybody. But if you reject his son, there comes a time where he says, My spirit will not always strive with man, and God won't help you. Amen. God says of Saul, I rejected him, I'm through with him. And if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, there will come a time you cross the line and he will be through with you. If you reject Jesus Christ, you're a lost cause. And God sending his only son to die on the cross for your sin was a waste of his time as far as you're concerned. But the second figure in this story is Samuel. Look at the first part of 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. We just read the verse, but 
And the Lord said unto Saul, Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Samuel is mourning for Saul, and God gets a little upset at Samuel. Saul was a lost cause, but in Saul, when he found out that Saul was a lost cause, it hurt him, and he just grieved and mourned. Samuel felt like he had failed, so he was grieving and mourning over it, but Samuel could not see past Saul. Samuel could not see past Saul. When some people will see the Lord is when they get their eyes off Saul and the preacher and their parents and the children. Because while there are good causes, we let a lesser cause something God may not be in to blind us from a bigger cause. Saul was a good cause, but when he became a lost cause, Samuel could not get over it. God had to tell Samuel that I am through with Saul. He's a lost cause. Now move on. I have another job for you. Don't get consumed in something that God is not in. Don't put all your energy, effort, and time in something God's not in. Samuel couldn't see beyond Saul, but he also couldn't see beyond his sorrow. Saul disappointed Samuel. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, people will disappoint you. Situations will grieve you. But there's a time for sorrow and a time for grief, and then there's a time to move on. The cause may have failed, but God didn't fail. He has a plan for your life. Samuel also couldn't see beyond himself. In chapter 16 and verse 2, the Bible says, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the verse goes on, but we're just going to look at that first part of it. Samuel felt part of the blame. Have you ever made a mistake, failed God, and dropped the ball? What we can learn from Samuel is that the cause is bigger than you are. Samuel could sit around grieving over all that he invested in Saul, and what would he do now where he could find a bigger cause? He could say, I messed up, I blew it, I'm no good to anybody. And that's right. But it, it ain't about you. It's bigger than you are. Yeah. Get up and go on. You Amen. failed God. You failed the church. You messed up. But get up and go on. Because the cause is bigger than you are. If you mess up and you failed, don't quit. Keep going. There are people in Baptist churches all over America grieving and mourning and quitting on God. And they're dead. Yeah. Sorry, I lost my place and they're dead because they messed up just do something for God you can sit there idle you can wallow in self pity and defeat or you can do something for God God told Samuel to stop grieving and go go as far as the light God has revealed and then he'll reveal more but if God lights a path and you sit there still God may turn that light off and you'll lose your cause If God has given you a cause, something to do, and you put it off and say no, then you may end up, like Samuel, losing your cause. Now Saul was a lost cause, Samuel lost his cause, and David got lost in his cause. That's where you should be. Be lost in the cause God has given you. David was not interested in promoting himself, making a name for himself, or even defending himself. 
He was just lost in his cause. And it wasn't about him. Had it been about David, I don't believe he would have faced Goliath. But it was all about God, and he would rather die for God than live for the devil. David had the cause of his foes. Goliath was a cause. He was an enemy in David's path. David could either fight or retreat. We all have an enemy in our path. And if for no other reason, you should try to please God just so you can whip the devil. You should get up every morning and read your Bible and pray so the devil won't taunt you. If God tells you to do something, do it just, just so the devil gets no satisfaction out of your life. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Serving God just to make the devil mad shouldn't be our only reason, but it is a good one. First, David had the cause of his foes, but second, he had the cause of his family. David's family was at war with the Philistines, and David didn't want his family to become servants of the Philistines. David saw his family and knew that if he didn't take a stand, no one else would. So David stayed true to God and his cause and fought Goliath. Just as David fought Goliath to protect his family, we fought the devil to protect our family. Because if we don't fight the devil, then our families may become servants of the devil. Because when the devil attacks and you give in, it makes it easier for your family to give in too. But we have to take a stand and resist the devil. Third, David had a cause of his God. Look at 17 and verse 43. 17 and verse 43, and the Bible says, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts and God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David didn't say in verse 46 that this day will my strength deliver thee into my hand. He said the Lord. And at the end, he didn't say that all the earth may know that David was a big man. But he said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Why should we strive to do right? To please God and bring honor and glory to him. It's not about me, and it's not about you. Amen. If you want to be a big man, then serve a big God. Amen. David was nothing, but he was a man after God's own heart. David knew he couldn't do it without God, and I think too often we get wanting something done, but we don't wait on God, and we get in a mess. But right here it's evident that the hand of God was on David. You know that's a great place to be when the hand of God is on you and you are being used of God. We've seen a man who, lost, who was a lost cause. We saw a man who lost his cause. And we saw a man who was lost in his cause. What category do you fall in? Now I want to talk about your cause. We've been over these, so I won't go over them. 
all again. But David knew the cause that God had given him, and he was lost in it. If God has told you to do something or given you something to do, then obey him and be lost in the cause that he has given you. Because if you put it off or say no, like Samuel, you may lose your cause. And then if you continue to stray from God and reject him, then eventually, like Saul, you will become a lost cause and God will move on. In closing, I just want to ask a few questions. What is it that motivates you? What is it that keeps you going? What is so important and so necessary that you are willing to deny yourself? What is so important and so big that you're willing to sacrifice your personal desires and face ridicule and criticism in order to be faithful to your cause? What is your cause? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, bless the message, Lord, and uh, help us sink down in our minds and hearts, and uh, we'll be with Asher as he preaches, and bless him and bless his message, Lord, and uh, just be with us as we go our separate ways, and help us to live for you, and uh, be good examples to lost people, and uh, just help us to be good Christians that we may lead people to you because that is our cause and help us stay true to our cause. In Jesus' name, amen. Ethan, um, I think it's a, to be a 15-year-old boy, I think it's a huge honor that my pastor knows he can call me on a Thursday night to have me preach. And uh, Ethan, too. I was laying tile at the time, and I worked 1 a.m. that night, so I couldn't get nothing done that night. But um, And I'm just thankful that the Lord called me to preach at 12 years old and that he gives me the opportunity to get up here and uh, bring a message on, even if it is short notice. And uh, for the good cause, as Brother Ethan said, it's a, we're, God called us to preach for a good cause, and it's uh, to give you the Word of God and give it to you right, give it to you doctrinally right, rightly divided, and uh, I'm just really thankful uh, for Brother Bob that uh, God uses him for me and Ethan to give us an opportunity to uh, get up here and preach. But uh, please turn your Bibles to Romans 8. In reading in verse 6, Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Today I'm going to be preaching about what to expect from a carnal and spiritual mind. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, please, Jesus, uh, allow us to get something out of your word, Jesus. And thank you for the sermon that has already been brought, Lord. It was a huge blessing, Jesus. And uh, I can tell that you were in it, Lord. And thank you for Brother Ethan and everything that he does for you, Lord, and tries for you, Jesus. And uh, just please let us have a good rest of our night, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Carnal means to be fleshy, worldly. And it is a sin to constantly be thinking about the world. Your mind should not be constantly... When you come to church, your mind should be at church. But our flesh comes in our church and our mind's out there. It's not here. It's not... It's, 
And when you come to church, you don't come here to listen to me. You come here to listen to the Father and not me. And I think a lot of the times that we think, since we're not doing carnal sin, that we're okay. But we're thinking carnal sin. Mm -hmm. You know, you got these people that carnally, is, that is carnal, and they steal a candy bar from a gas station. And you have these people that are carnally minded saying, oh, I'd never do that, but they think about it. And that's a sin on it by itself. And uh, to be carnal of minded is death. Not acting on it. Just having your mind on it. It is sin. And it also says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity means to oppose, dislike. And enmity means... And so if you're carnal, you're my, if you're carnal-minded, you're against God. Your mind is against the Lord. Yeah, because how could the Lord was not the Lord says you are in this world but not of this world. How could you how could your mind be all about this world and all about your flesh and all about pleasing your flesh and still uh, be for God? It can't Verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. As soon as they, they were carnal, they both died a spiritual death. They didn't die physically, but they both died spiritually. And another thing, too, carnality loves uh, company. As soon as she took, got, ate the fruit, she gave it to her husband. Carnality loves company. Sin loves company. Yeah. When you're carnal and you're in this world, you want friend, you want uh, people to be in this world with you. Brother Kip was teaching us back there. He told us they want to recruit yeah. uh, all the, the people that might be saved and are out of the will of God and are carnal or just lost and carnal, they want to recruit anyone they can. That's why you hear so many people talking about whatever and just dirty, filthy things to other people because they want to get your mind on that. They want to get you to think in that way, just like them, because they want company. It says in Romans, to be carnally minded is death. Is death. Not will be death. Not can be death. But is death. So when you become carnal, you better fix it like that. Because if you don't... As soon as your mind gets carnal, and it's out there in the world, fix it. Because you will die. Maybe not physically. I mean, you can die physically. 
Uh, well, sin will kill you. Being worldly, being fleshy, it will kill you. If you do, uh, make a wrong move, I mean, there's been plenty of people that, I mean, just uh, like fentanyl and stuff. They got carnal, they got worldly, they got fleshy, they got filthy, and then they die from, from that. But if you don't die physically, you will die spiritually. Because it's like Brother Bob has said many times, and the Bible says, it's searing your conscience with a hard iron. It is searing you when you're carnal. It kills the Holy Spirit convicting you. So it's just like the prodigal son. Thank God he came to himself. He became carnal. He left his country. He left his father. But he came to himself. And there's a lot of people that don't come to themselves. There's a lot of people that don't. And you see them, where are they at today? They're in a dope-filled home. They're in prison. They're in jail. For what? And um, that's why, like Brother Jeremy said, we need to always pray for each other. Yeah. We always need to pray and ask the Lord, don't let me be carnal. Don't let me have a carnal mind. Yeah. Help, help my brothers and sisters at church. Help my brothers and sisters across uh, overseas not to have a carnal mind. Now let's look at the fruits of a carnal mind. Turn your Bible back to Romans 8. Read verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. One of the fruits of the carnal mind is enmity against God, which I've already said to oppose and dislike God. And this dislike will apply to the law of God. Not subject to the law of God. Now, if you read your Bible at all, you know we do not get saved from the law of God. But we are to apply them, some spiritual and some physical. But when you're carnal and you're worldly, it's almost impossible, uh, well, it is impossible to obey the law of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Uh, the only, but the only way to heaven is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and asking Him to save you. Yes. Uh, now, now let's look at the tendency against the ministry of God. When your mind is constantly on this world and your flesh, you will not be obedient to the ministry God has called you to do. Amen. I mean, you see uh, Brother Earl, he has talked about a few of them, and there's uh, Brother Ron has talked about a few of them. These preachers... They were in the pulpit preaching, but they got had some carnal stuff going on at home, and they got they got pulled out of the pulpit because you a preacher cannot be carnal. He can't. He can't be up in this pulpit and being carnal because that is a um, it, you can't be obedient to the uh, the ministry God has called you to do. And the, uh. And there's been a lot of preachers that's been, been pulled out of the pulpit and couldn't heed to their calling as the Lord called them to do because they were carnal. Now, let's look at the fruit of the spiritual mind. Let Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Once you are spiritually minded, you can live in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will make your life so much more easier to have peace with the Lord. And you can, I mean, can you imagine everything you do in contradiction with God? I mean, 
every day I do something that is in contradiction with God. I sin, I mess up. But everything you do to be in contradiction with God, you don't do the will of God at all, really. And to, when you're carnal, you'll be in contradiction with God every day of your life. It would be miserable and, and keep a spiritual mind by reading and studying and praying and spending time with the Lord Jesus. Now let's look at the tendency of a spiritual mind. Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The tendency of a spiritual mind is to set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And carnality will keep your affections down here. Yes. Yeah. They will. Yeah, carnality. Carnality will keep you here. Yeah. And if you want to, and everything here will never make it to eternity. Everything that you have your affections on here will never make it to eternity. Amen. So always set your, the tendency of a spiritual mind will set their affections on things above. Yes. You will, so always keep a spiritual mind so you can have life and peace and not carnal mind with death. So it is up to you what kind of mind you will choose to have. Are you going to have a carnal mind and serve the devil and die? Or are you going to have a spiritual mind and serve God and listen to Jesus Christ in order to have peace and joy? Now, we have seen today the, what to expect from a carnal and spiritual mind. Always keep a spiritual mind. Ask the Lord every day to keep your mind on the spiritual things. And like, um, I know some people, when I was having a carnal mind, because I have had a carnal mind before, and uh, when I was having a carnal mind, and I would hear everyone turn something physical into a spiritual situation, which is a good thing. You should always look on the spiritual side of things. You should always look at uh, maybe God's doing something. Maybe God is using something. Yes. Maybe it didn't happen for this reason. And I would get mad because I would think, why they always got to turn it into a spiritual situation? This is nothing spiritual. And, uh, but... All, that's nothing to get mad about. That's a good thing. That's how you know when you're carnal, when spiritual things make you mad. Yes, so choose your mindset today and ask the Lord to keep you in a spiritual mind. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for seeing us all here safely, Jesus, and please see us home safely, Lord. And um, bless the invitation, invitation, Lord, and help this to sink down into people's ears and hearts, Lord. And,